It's funny. People always be like, don't forget about the little people. It's like, why do they refer themselves as little anyway, you know? Why don't you just get big with me? They can see it in my eyes. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode, a bonus episode, as it were, of John's Untitled Podcast, a partner of MoshPitNation.com. This week's guest is the returning Fallon Bowman. Uh, this will be tentatively the last time that you will hear Miss uh, Bowman on this podcast. Uh, not that there is anything that happened or anything like that. Just our discography discussion of the Deftones has come to an end. Uh, we dissect Gore, the latest offering of the Deftones, which as of right now, the day I'm recording this, uh, tentatively the Deftones are writing some new material. So maybe I can get Fallon back on once that record uh, comes out. Maybe we can do a little pre, like, oh, what do we think it's going to be based on a, a single or something, or, you know, give it about a month and then maybe do a, a conversation about the record. Um, but yeah, the the chat, the run is over. This is it. Um, I know for me, leading up to this, this was definitely one that I, I wasn't necessarily looking forward to listening to, because my initial... Uh, run through of the record was a little rough, uh, a lot to be desired on my end, and I definitely think that uh, I, I speak to the record a little more favorably than, than what I just said, but uh, all of that aside, um, I you know have a lot of uh, episodes uh, sitting on my computer, and I need to get rid of some of these to get them out, because uh, some of the things described in them, some of the, the topics we bring up uh, are really old at this point, and it's kind of confusing and a little frustrating at times when you listen to a podcast and they talk about something, and you're like, that happened like five months ago. Um, but you know it's being released as a quote-unquote current uh, episode. So thankfully, this isn't going to be too bad since we're talking about a record that's been out for a little while. So, you know, that's not the case. But I think for the next, uh, maybe the next couple of weeks, maybe a month or so, um, I think I'm going to try to do two episodes a week and try to get some of these episodes like the one I did with Lucas Rossi, uh, the one I did with Ian from X Straight Line Stitch. Uh, you know, I have a couple of uh, episodes uh, in the tank here, and uh, I think they they should come out. So this is the first one that I'm going to release. Uh, maybe leave me a comment on Facebook, uh, facebook.com backslash John's Untitled Podcast, and let me know if uh, you if there's a day that you like when someone puts out like two episodes. Uh, the Jericho model is, uh, I believe it's Tuesday, and Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, and then Friday. Um, I'm going to drop this on Friday and just kind of see how it goes. But uh, if uh, there's days that work better if uh, for the digestion of two two podcasts in a week, uh, let me know. Um, I know a lot of people just binge listen to a lot of things, so I don't really have a, a preference or a, a thing that I've thought of on how to do this uh, if I end up kind of trying to do two for a little bit. I uh, also want to shout out uh, the PRP for giving the Brandon uh, from Bleeding Through episode some love. Definitely was kind of crazy to see how that's been received by fans and, and internet trolls alike. The comment section has been nothing short of gold. I was actually pleasantly surprised to see that uh, everyone is in agreement actually with Brandon, which, I mean, it's not to say that he said anything like damning or anything like that, but, you know, typically anytime someone speaks out and has their opinion and, you know, kind of talks about other bands or music as a whole, uh, people get really defensive. So it was pleasant. I was pleasantly surprised to see so many people being like, he's kind of an asshole and 
the how he sounds when he says it, but he's not wrong. Um, so that was pretty cool. And then actually scrolling through my Instagram feed today, I saw that Frankie from Amur actually screenshotted part of the PRP's transcription of the thing where they where Brandon mentions Amur. And uh, to see a quick little interaction between Brandon and Frankie on Instagram was pretty fucking sweet and kind of surreal. Like, I definitely wasn't expecting that. And uh, as I was actually recording this, uh, I noticed that Metal Injection also ended up posting a link to my chat with Brandon. And uh, the comments on that one are a lot more shitty. (laughs) But appreciate all the love uh, with the Brandon from Bleeding Through episode. If you haven't listened to that, go back, check it out. Uh, It's a really solid chat outside of the headlines, outside of all of the potential mudslinging in the first couple of minutes. Uh, We talk about the record. We talk about the band's lineage and so forth. And I think outside of the the headlines, it's, it's a really solid chat. And it's pretty quick. It's only like 40 minutes. So go back, check it out. Go back, check out any of the episodes, honestly. And uh, speaking of chats, let's get to my chat with Fallon Bowman discussing gore.
So, I have the returning Fel and Bowman finalizing our Deftones discography discussion with uh, their last album, Gore. And, uh, wow, what a, <laughs> what a record this is. <laughs> it is. It is what a record. And, you know, in, you know there, there's so many different things going on at the same time that I feel that there's a lack of cohesion that you don't, that you heard on Diamond Eyes from yeah. beginning to end, but there's no, the cohesion is no longer, or it not no longer, it is not there for this record, in my opinion, uh, as a whole, from start to finish. Yes. There's just a lot of holes and a lot of, uh, to me, as a, if I can say, if I can speak for the entire record, it sounds like it's just one long song. Uh, yeah, I definitely, I definitely get that vibe. Um, uh, vocally, especially. Vocally. Oh yeah, there's. All right, so we were we were pre-rolling before the before this before the intro, and so we're gonna change how we do this record just because in in talking very quickly about our thoughts on the record leading up to this conversation, we realized we're we're not really fans of this record. So instead of going song by song, going like didn't like it, didn't like it, didn't like it because of this, didn't like it because of this. What I figured would be a more interesting approach and I think give a more honest feel as opposed to being so negative would be to talk about the record as a whole. And since we're wrapping up the discography discussion, I think it will actually lend itself to kind of being like what we don't like about it and why in juxtaposition to everything that we've that's come before it, that kind of is the reason why it let us down. And I think that that will be the, the best way to kind of really tackle this record. Yeah, Uh I feel like that that is the most fair. Um, I don't want to say that I don't, I don't want to say that I don't like it. This is going right up to I, adrenaline for me. This is probably, I would say I like it. This is probably my least favorite Deftones record. Wow. Okay. I, I because I respect the journey. Cause I know I really do respect the journey because pretty much anything that they do uh, they're trying to tweak and trying to see, trying to push basically how far they can push their old fans. I think, like, how much can we piss them off without losing? Them? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's that's what I got from this. It's just like, well, okay, we're gonna get, we're gonna ask Jerry Cantrell to play on our record and see what happens. Okay, so it's interesting that that's where you're going with it, because to me, it's like. And and I think like the hardest part for me, like, and I, I'll kind of give like you know we we through doing this, like you have you know adamantly said that like you got back into the band on Diamond Eyes. That's where you kind of hop back on the Deftones train. You were off for, like the last two records, and then <laughs> you know if I'm not mistaken from the last record with uh, Koi no Yokan, uh, mm -hmm. that you know you were ready for that record when it first came out. You know you're back on being like a, a Deftones fan that's like adamantly invested in what they're doing. Right. And for me on this record, I was so, you know, something I, I kind of complain a lot about is the, the new way that albums get released. Like as far as like, you know, usually it was like, here's a promotional single. Maybe here's the first single and that's all you're getting. Now it's like you're getting half the record before the album even comes out. And it just right. kind of ruins the album experience. And so I didn't listen to any of this record until I literally got it on vinyl. And wow. I, I remember just being very disappointed, like, oh, <laughs> I think I spent more money on this than I, I probably should have. <laughs> I remember just feeling like when I got it, I was like, wow, I waited all this time and didn't listen to all the tracks that 
that they put out and this is my reward. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Surprise. <laughs> and that's not to say like yeah. prayers triangles, I think is a great song to start the album out. And it had me really interested in where it was going. Cause it's, you know, unlike, you know, we've said over the last handful of records, like where every first track, you know, between diamond eyes or, you know, uh, what, what is it? Leathers, I think is off of a uh, coin. No, yep. can and, you yep. know, like there's there's just so many great oh, hole in earth off of a uh, you know uh, Saturday oh, Night Race. Yeah. Like it's like you know they just come out the gate and they always have banger fucking opening tracks, and this one's like the most chill ambient that you know they've really ever done, and right. you know I kind of I think honestly like in in kind of thinking about the approach to the whole record, it honestly sets the most fair indicator of where the record's gonna go. But this is the, this I is agree. the best version of what they're trying to do that's executed on the whole record, in my opinion. Oh, okay. I mean, there's there I, I there did. are two other songs that I really do like, but I mean, this to me is like everything they tried doing, like kind of from here on out. It was like here's the here's the best that we were able to do, like kind of like you were saying, where it's like, you know, Deftones always trying to push themselves into as far into the different things that they have done over their career and see how far they can take themselves and how far their fans are willing to, to go with them. And to right. me, it's like when I listen to Prayer's Triangles, I'm like, okay, this is, you know, taking the most ambient kind of, you know, a little bit crunchy stuff that you, you've been doing over the last handful of records and taking it, you know, a step further. But it's like, to me, that was the pinnacle of them being able to reach the success of like, trying to do something a little bit beyond what they've been doing mm -hmm. successfully all yep. the way through everything that they did worked and it worked really well. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's okay. I, I believe that that was the first uh, single, was it not? It was. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's good. It's, it's, there's a lot of guitar, like throughout, I, I can speak from a guitar player's point of view. There's a lot of different things going on on this record. <laughs> it's, um, it's, uh, slightly concerning, but also, um, I, I kind of wish that they would do a record with only Steph playing calling guitar. the shots. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just hundred percent him just playing because you can really hear that these, these little, little beacons of hope of this, these crushing ball crushing, if I could say, um, you know, guitar riffs, guitar tones, like some of the, Oh my God. I'm like, Oh, this is so good. Oh, oh you just want it to go on longer, but it's just not. <laughs> yeah. It's like a bad yeah. date. <laughs> it's just, Oh God. But, um, anyway, yeah, I feel from like vocally, I will I would discount this record completely. Um, musically, there are some really interesting things going on. I but put that all together, and it just kind of makes a hot mess um, in I, the most respectful way possible. I say that, but you know, it's, anyway, it's yeah. kind of interesting you say that because like I definitely there were vibes that like there's some like I think some of the the more mellower stuff that they do on this record there's some moments like you know between frank and i mean there's even some shit that abe does on this record where i was just like man oh. that, you're just like pulling like there's just like weird hi-hat snare like kick drum thing that he's doing on during geometric headdress yes he does so i'm like and the, and the drum tones themselves sound so different from anything i've heard on an abe you know kit like that you know as far as the actual sound of it on the record 
And I mean, I'm there's just like, you know, that it's not higher in the mix. Yeah. Because that part, I'm like, what, oh, what is that? And I had rewinded it like five times. That sounds fucking cool. See, and that's, Why? that was the thing for me on this whole record. Like there was a lot of cool little parts, little, little extra nuances, but it wasn't enough to keep me interested in, in the, the song that it was either in or the collection of the whole. And I kind of got to feel like one of the things that really bummed me out about this record, and it, it's been no secret, I mean, leading up to the record, it was talked about how Steph wasn't really involved in this album at all, like in the making of it. Um, you know, as far as songwriting, like he couldn't really, very understandably, couldn't wrap his head around what he could bring what? to it. And so right. he just kind of didn't really do a whole lot but there's mm-hmm. there's some really interesting dynamics that kind of happen within the band like just playing around with some parts but unfortunately like the the few parts that shown and were really cool i thought were just like far and few between where it's just like man there's something cool there but like you know like i said right off the bat it's like but you just didn't really <laughs> where you should have like really gone and like delved into something it was almost like you were too timid to like explore that even more and mm-hmm. actually, like, I mean, to the point where, you know, you were kind of joking about the, the Jerry Cantrell song at the, the, you know, one of the second to last album, uh, album tracks, uh, Phantom Bride. Yep. And to me, like, one of the more intriguing things, like, A, that solo, because you don't hear solos in Deftone songs. But Ever. secondly, you know, so, like, that that's wow. intriguing and it's interesting. But, like, the way, like, that punishing riff comes over at the very end of that, like, kind of reversed solo thing that, that uh, Jerry Cantrell's doing like that was cool and I wanted more of that and it's like that's what ended the song and it was only like 20 seconds of it and you're just like fuck do more of that man like do like yeah. you have a lead over about a half of your song explore having a lead like a lead of some sort throughout the whole thing and then play around with the the rhythm that you know Steph is so good at doing and creating a text like textures around everything like play off of that and then maybe even chino like you know throwing in a lot of his like you know delay reverb swell guitar thing like there was just a lot of cool like guitar stuff that chino was doing all over this record that i wanted to be like cool so either i don't know like like i said like i said this this thing was just so all 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 over the place and like when you'd get something good you're like fuck this is so good but then it just is surrounded by a bunch of shit that you're just kind of like, yeah, God well, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Me. I know that I really, how much does Jerry Cantrell's um, contribution change the vibe of that song? Like tremendously, uh, just tremendously. And it, it, it just sticks out at you right away. You're like, Oh, Oh, okay. Yeah. I like this is, this is interesting. Like you said, right. But then it, just, yeah, I, I, I don't know what, I don't know how long they took to write this record, but I'd be interesting to know, interested to know. It didn't seem um, like it took that much longer from Depth or from uh, Diamond Eyes yeah, like to Koino Yokan. It was pretty quick. It was a pretty quick turnaround, especially with okay. how much touring they were doing at that time. Right. So I feel like perhaps this was something that they maybe wrote on the road or something, and then they were like, "Okay, let's just uh, you know go and bang it out in the studio," and and then didn't really take the time to nurture uh, what it could have been, I suppose. Try, I'm trying to be as diplomatic as possible here, but um, it's because they, I hope they know that I fucking love them and I support whatever they do. Um, but it's just, it's, it, as a whole, it's a mess. 
for me, just like self-titles is a miss for me. Okay. But I, but I still respect the journey. Uh, I respect what they were trying to do. Um, so kind of looking things up though, just to kind of like button in some of the questions we just had, this album was recorded from 2014 to 2015 and was released in April of 2016. Koino Yokan came out in 2012. So this is a four year gap between records. Oh, so this is okay. almost on par with like, uh, around the fur and white pony. Like as far as like how long it took them to release the records. And interestingly enough, there's almost just like a, Whereas the shift from Around the Fur to White Pony worked in their favor as far as like taking everything into a different, you know, dynamics and so forth. <laughs> the, the time spent on this record and the subsequent release of it, it just kind of was like, oh, maybe you should have spent more time on that. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because there are some quotes here that I'm reading, you know, uh, Chino was really worried because he was having difficulty getting the feel of the album as a whole uh, correct, basically. And I, I, and I don't think he ever succeeded. <laughs> it's just like, you know, he tried, but it just... I'm reading a, a quote from Rolling Stone describing it as Marino playing Morrissey to the guitarist Meshuga. <laughs> and oh. it's like, I really couldn't... I mean, that was actually the weird thing is like, as I was listening to different songs, like, you know, as a hologram comes out and I'm like, I kind of dig like the vibe of the song initially, but it's like, I think the thing that like really bummed me out about this record is just, I feel like Chino's lyrics and delivery were just like Chino as a guitar player on this record really impressed me. Like there's a lot of cool stuff that he's doing and kind of coming into his own as a guitar player, but I feel like vocally all the things he he just kind of like shit. I mean, as much as you can in this band and with his, you know, great voice kind of shit the bed for me. It's like you excelled at, you, you excelled in, you excelled, in, you excelled in, in one area where like, you know, there's a lot of cool, like, uh, um, and you know, like every time I listen to this record, I, I had my, the phone in my pocket, so I couldn't see like what the song titles were and so forth. But I want to, I want to say it's actually Phantom Bride or maybe even Gore, where it's got like this cool, like he's playing like the 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 higher strings, and it's like got like a delay reverby thing kind of going on, and it's like mm-hmm. a, a, an interesting texture and sound that we've not really heard in a Deftone song, and there's like stuff like that that he's you know bringing to the this album and to the band that really has me excited and interested in being like wow this is you know new ground and you know eight records in and you're still doing stuff that surprises me and has me intrigued and interested, yep. but. Yep, yep. Unfortunately, it's like something else for like, you know, we keep kind of coming back to it's like for every great thing that's going on or thing that's new that has me excited about like, man, you guys are still doing something and keep, you know, progressing. It's like for every step forward, you're taking two step back, two steps back because of something else. And for me, it's it's the vocals. Like, I mean, as I kind of I think on my third listen to today, like I just kept looping this album and it was one of those things where. The lyrics, you know, I know Chino does a lot of scatting and just kind of coming up with, you know, oh, here's like a, a phrase that I like. Like I'll, I'll kind of like hum right. like a melody or whatever, and then I'll just kind of fit words in there. And I feel like this is one of the first times where perhaps that idea of writing vocals just didn't doesn't work. work. It doesn't work <laughs> now. And it, you know, required a little bit more attention to detail for for a lot of the other things going on. And for me, it's like you know, like I was saying, and like that you know, Rolling Stone pull quote kind of mentions, you know, for the tensions and 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 
off balance of the the Steph Carpenter to to Chino as far as guitar playing and songwriting, it's very evident on this record. So for me, it's like if Chino was going to kind of really take the reins being the main guitar player and songwriter on this record, then he really also needed to like bang it out of the park, like vocally and just kill it. And to me, it's like he focused too much effort on one thing and not enough on the other. And it, and it just kind of created a very eh thing for me. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of push and pull on this, uh, that I got out of, like, you know, in terms of clashing genres, you know, guitar wise, uh, vocally, just completely clashing. Uh, sometimes it clicked and worked other times, not so much, um, and it's funny if you ever read the comments, like if you want, like somebody, you know, uploads the video or I guess it's the band that uploaded the video, um, Warner music or whoever. And like the comments, people like, just like, like just laying into this record. Right. And it, I, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to be mean, but you know, that these are what people, this is what people were saying. We're saying, uh, you know, uh, one guy was just like, Oh, here, Deftone song. Number one, hated immediately. Number two, get mad at how vo- how bad the vocals are. Three, and generally you kind of get to like it afterwards. And that's the last three records for me is what this guy said. And I'm like, mm, okay, well, I agree with him on some points. But, um, it, it you know, it's definitely divisive, this CD, I noticed. Just, just reading just comments of people um, either really liking it, like, you know, the diehards from from, you know, their very first record to now, excuse me, to, um, like, just totally loving it, or people saying, you know, it's not heavy enough, or, you know, some people respecting the journey, regardless of what they do. It's it's tough. I get that they want to be experimental, and I get that they want to change it up a little bit, and not just be known as this form, I guess you could say former new metal band, or I don't, I've never thought of them as new metal, but anyways, um, maybe they're just trying to get away from that so much so that, uh, the elements of what made them great is slightly eroding. I, yeah, I'm just thinking out loud. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I just, I mean, that's that's kind of like, you know, the hard part in, in thinking about this, like the whole time listening to this record, I just kept going like, I don't think I can talk about this like song by song because I'm just going to be kind of negative about it. Like it just didn't work for me. And, you know, like I said, like there's just the, the parts sometimes work, but the, the whole does not. And right. it's like when you, you know, even for someone like you, like, you know, when I was trying to think about it, compared to the rest of their discography up until this album. And it's like, you know, for a lot of people, like, Self-Titled and and Saturday Night Risk were departures for them. And, and you know, a lot of people were like, oh, this this al- these albums didn't work and these songs didn't work for me. And, you know, I can kind of see that, but I also feel like even at their worst, they were more of a Deftones record than this record is... As a whole. <laughs> Compared, yeah, comparatively as a whole, like 
Yeah. Like you can say like I don't like Saturday Night Wrist. I I think like it just doesn't work, and there's a lot of stuff. But I think like if you were to go track by track and, and really compare the two records, you would at least probably Definitely. go get out of it and go like yep, that's yep, still yep. a Deftones record. It just wasn't a Deftones record up to the level of expectation that I have for them at this point. Whereas mm-hmm. this to me, it's like yeah, it's cool that you're trying to do new shit. Like I I get it, but man, like you, this is. To me, I, uh, Palms. That's I couldn't fucking think of that band name all day. This to me sounds like, and and the weird thing is, is Koino Yokan was closer tied to the Palms record that Chino did with the dudes from ISIS, the band ISIS. And uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, some people, some people may not may not know you what know, Chino and his, uh, his terrorist side project. <laughs> yes, um, but it's one of those things to me though that it's like for me. This would seem like you know, like how I kind of was talking about on you know White Pony and you know the self-titled, where I was like, "There's times where it feels like this was like a launching point for Team Sleep." At times, like if you would have told me that this came out while he was recording that Palms record, I'd probably have been like, "Yeah, no, I totally could see it," because like the whole point was kind of being like ambient and trippy and kind of you know dissonant, for lack of a better word. And to me, it's like if you would have told me like he was recording that record and then went straight into this, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. But the weird thing is, it's like you're so far removed from that record and here we are. It's like, ah, yeah, I just, I just don't know. Like part of me is like, is it better for Chino to play second fiddle to Stefan at all times and just kind of add the, the textures and layers to whatever he's putting down? Because when he's obviously when he's taking over and trying to be the main guitar player, I just it doesn't work. I just don't dig it, and it's like I I just I don't know. Like there's so many things that like I mean a song like uh, you know like I said, Prayers Triangles. Like I love that song. Uh, Hearts and Wires. Like that's a song that you know typically they end up coming out to when on this last handful of uh, tours they've done since this record's come out. And, you know, there's, you know, a song like Phantom Bride or Rubicon. Like, I really – I dig those songs too. There's, like, Doomed User, I think, is the song that starts off really aggressive and heavy. And it just, you know, there's <laughs> there's so many things, like, where I want to – I want to like this record. But then it's just, like, for every – like, I just – I feel so let down. And, like, I, yeah. I, I know that's, like, the weird thing. And, like, I even figured maybe, like – not having listened to this record very often, like at all. Like like I said, I listened to it like maybe two times when I got the record literally to put on my record player. And I was like very underwhelmed. I was like, all right, maybe my expectations were too high. But then it's like when I came back today and over the last handful of days and was just kind of listening to the record, I was like, no, my expectations weren't too high. And my, <laughs> my initial like reaction to the record is kind of really how I still feel about it. Like it's just, it's just, the best way I can describe it really is just disjointed. Yeah. There, he definitely seemed like there were, uh, it was a jigsaw puzzle trying to force these pieces together. Like this will happen. This will work. Well, I'm also wondering too, not to cut you off. If it's the uh, fact that they're working with another new producer at this point, you know, cause Nick Rasculins or however you say it. Yeah. And, yeah long Rats. lots of lots of syllables <laughs> but yeah. it's like i wonder if you know like 
you know, they work with Terry Day and they, they work with Terry Day. Then they, you know, they work with Sean Lopez on Saturday Night Wrist and then they get, you know, Nick to do Diamond Eyes and oh. Koino Yokan. And, you know, oh. like they kind of get like a resurgence again. And then it's like, you know, like it seems like it seems like whenever they kind of get a formula that works, it almost like seems like they're like, well, now we got to shake things up just to 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 shake it up. Keep it interesting. <laughs> yeah. And it kind of seems like that's typically I mean, not necessarily for me, but that seems like it's typically where it's like, oh, well, that's the misstep. And, you know, like I made a comment, I think, a while back. I think when we did Diamond Eyes, I made the comment. I go, you ever notice like every third album is like the the one that brings them back and takes them to like this huge mainstream level of success like you know we got right. you know a, adrenaline then we got around the fur around the fur gained some notoriety then white pony came and just changed the game and then oh. it's like okay it's self-titled kind of dips back and then you go to you know saturday night risk people really losing interest diamond eyes everyone comes back it's a huge record puts them back into you know arenas and so forth and back to that level and then it's like okay like koino yokan people are kind of digging it. seems like some people are like, ah, I don't really dig some stuff. This album universally panned. A lot of people don't seem to like it. So I'm kind of wondering if like this next album is going to be the one where we're like, wow, we're, we're back to that third record. Like amazing. Like peak, like that peak <laughs> where it's like, Whoa. And I'm really hoping so. Cause man, I, I just, I don't want to be so negative about this record, but it, it's, no, it's I, just I, such I a bummer. Either. I don't, I really, I like, I can say though I do have a favorite song on the record for sure, um, and it's not the title track and it's not the opener, um, but it was just the first when I first bought this record. It was the first song that stuck out to me for whatever reason, and I think it was just because it was so weird. I'm like, this is okay, okay, I'm digging this. Um, so I, I I'm the same. I I don't want to be negative about it because there are aspects of it that I really do enjoy. As but again, as we've reiterated, as a whole, it's very very strange. Very you know strange. the other thing too that I picked up on on this record is just the interesting terminology used, mental imagery I should say that's being evoked based on album like song titles. Like this one, yeah, has, like this one has like shapes. a weird, yeah, exactly. This one has a very weird fascination with shapes and textures. I, I dare want to say, or like mathematical, mm -hmm. like kind of not equations, but just kind of like you know, you you look at a song like Rubicon, and that makes me think of like math and and shapes and like th three dimensions and and so forth, and you know, like acid hologram. Like okay, a hologram is a three dimensional image that you know, you kind of got to okay. distort a little bit to, to kind of see it. And it's, it's various, uh, incantations or whatever. And then, you know, throw in like an acid hologram, like, okay, like tripping and all this kind of stuff. Like just the imagery, like is very, very interesting and almost kind of yeah. like weirdly, like, like I, I had, like, I even struggled coming up with like a, a term. Cause I was like, I feel like it's so abstract, but I was almost coming like, like a visceral, like savant kind of like or something like you know very intellectual but it's very visceral and like i kept trying to come up with like a phrase that worked and i was like i don't i don't even can't even come up with one i don't even know and i think that's to their credit though really in in some ways because there's you can't put your finger on it like there, there's so much weird shit going on that you can't put your finger on it which i think is 
kind of an accomplishment in and of itself um, that you can't just be like, oh, all right, it's this for sure. It's like totally like X, Y, Z. But you can't do that with this record. It's impossible. So right. it kind of keeps you on your toes. That's, I think, to their credit, um, I would give them that. How much of this do, to that that point, do you feel like the keeping on its toes, do you feel like that was like maybe like the sort of the incentive or the drive of making this record? Like, let's just really go out on a limb kind of like ever you know we're eight records in people expect you know they think they kind of know what we sound like or what we're gonna do let's really just kind of you know if people think we're gonna go right let's go left if people think i do this like let's like because even vocally like there were things where i was like typically it seems like chino would do this over this vocal but it seems like he's so hell-bent on if it's an aggressive vocal i'm gonna sing over it and then when, like, when yeah. it's like kind of yeah. like a, a softer thing, I'm going to scream yeah. over it. And it's like, I feel like you're trying so hard to, to do what I don't be think. Contrary. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Be contrary. And, and I, if that is the case, kudos. 110% kudos. Because he succeeded. Yeah. In giving exactly <laughs> what we did not want. <laughs> well, yes. Or, yeah. you know, or challenging us as his, as their sorry not his their fans yeah um uh because it is certainly a challenge um in many ways especially for longtime fans uh, i don't know i don't know anybody that has ever has recently got into them i was just gonna ask you that i go are there like new fans that are like when they hear this like oh my god they just wow you know Diamond, cool. Eyes, Diamond Eyes was pretty good, but holy shit, they took it to a whole nother level here. Like, in a good way. <laughs> find, tweet out and find someone. I would love to speak to them. Like, what do you actually, do you think that this is good? Because for them, let's say it's this third record. Right. Right? Or maybe even second or first. Who knows? But I would love to know what they actually think about it. Well, um, that- I mean, even kind of thinking like that, like, you know, I made the comment, I was like, this feels like a record a band would do for, like, their second or third record where it's, like, kind of just trying to reach out and, and you know, maybe a misstep to where, like, the the fourth or fifth record, you kind of start seeing the band come into their own. It's just so weird to see a band go so drastically different eight albums in. Like, it's like, now is where you're supposed to fine-tune what you do and, like, you know, all the, the different avenues that you go down. It's like... To me, it's like Diamond Eyes really perfected the various places the band would go and did everything very well. Oh, did everything so right. <laughs> and Koino Yokan took some, some, some chances and, and for the most part, you know, landed on its feet. I like liked there, it. There were yeah. very few misses as far it. as what they were doing. But this, it's like, like I said, like if this, if this were to have come between like after, like if this would have came after White Pony what no 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 but, no, like, no no so like if this would have came after like white point like to me this almost feels like the record that probably should have come like if self-titled didn't exist and it went like okay this, like yeah. if it went white pony this maybe maybe not this record but like so white pony uh saturday night wrist this record and then was diamond eyes would be like wow okay like oh. i, I, I kind of get it like you, you kind of took like i feel like diamond eyes almost needs to be like this record, like if this record would have been diamondized, I'd be like, ah, okay, everything makes sense now because like I, you were progressing, 
the textures and the ambience and and all of these like things that you were doing and you, you just didn't quite get it. But to, to me, it's like when you have such a masterpiece like Diamond Eyes, even against, you know, White Pony, where it's like, wow, the band really went on a limit and really did some shit and it really works. It's like when you have two shining examples of the band branching out and doing something and how well it can be done to then get this after the fact, you're just like, what? what's going on? And the only thing I keep coming back to that's the, the common thread is the sort of so, inner, yeah. inner, tor- inner turmoil between – you know, someone yeah. not feeling like they're incorporated or that they don't get something or whatever. And that's when you kind of get the disjointed record. Yep. So, oh, yeah. Because if it comes, it becomes a one man or one woman show, then it's, <laughs> it, yeah, you can hear it. Yes. You can hear it as a, as a fan, you can hear it. The, the, the magic of a collective collaboration Sorry, uh, sorry. The magic of a collaboration um, is lost. It's 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 disproportionate. Um, so yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting because really the only common thread aside from the the whole you know disjointed whatever is that she's no longer there. And but he has, that just but he hasn't been over the last like three records. That's what I'm saying. Is oh, like. Yeah. That that aspect of it is gone. That's not to say that it, it you know he was the be all and end all. He was a, definitely a part of an, an amazing uh, whole. Right. So it, it that's not to say that I don't love Sergio, um, but I'm just thinking out loud. Um, hmm. I don't know. It's so tough. Like what, what you can't you can't pinpoint it and say it's this. This is the reason why this record is not good. I think it's just multifactorial. Like these, the the fact that there was inner turmoil, or the fact that you know uh, maybe they. And so I'm just interrupting my own thought. What about the 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 lost record that they were recording with Chi? So like from the from Chino's own mouth, from like interviews I've read. Eventually they may put it out, but even when he goes back and listens to it, he said – because when he was kind of talking about it in regards to Saturday Night Wrist, like he was like – Saturday Night Wrist feels like a disjointed band just trying to put in parts and not working as a collective, oddly enough. And, then he, <laughs> <laughs> ah! <laughs> and that when he listens to Euros, it's it's more of the same. And so to me what's interesting is it's like – I understand like – People can find new inspiration in tragedy and so forth, obviously. But the thing that's interesting to me is, timeline-wise, they busted out Diamond Eyes so fast working with Sergio that it's like, okay, so if you're able to create, like, if all this great music was just, like, under the surface, tentatively, then what was the fucking problem? Right. You know what I mean? Because, like... I don't know. It's 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 kind of very like I've not really ever seen a band that's just so interested in in that sometimes their own worst enemy. Mm. Like I I I, I, I would I, love to hear that record. I would love to. I I, I could but you would imagine? It be one, but would it be one of those things like if you heard it and it was bad, would you would be like, oh, well, now I understand why they shelved it, and like, like where you're just like, oh, okay, never mind. I, I, I now yeah, I understand. But to keep this out. 
Well, <laughs> you put gore out. Like, I mean, you can't do any worse. Really. That's true. Uh, yeah. I, I'm really, really, really looking forward to what they do next. Are I, they going to keep pushing that boundary? How far can they friggin' go? Well, the thing that Chino has said leading up to every like the recording of this new record or just the new record as a whole is that he wants Steph to be a lot more involved and to bring bring the heavy. So, to me, that almost seems like okay. We're that again back to my my every third record thing. Like White Pony, White Pony was pretty fucking heavy and aggressive most of the way through. Diamond Eyes pretty fucking aggressive and heavy the way heavy all the way through it's chino kind of cutting in the melody that really you know offsets the the aggression in in what he does same with even around the fur like there's so much aggression on that record but it's chino's vocal melodies that allow for it to transcend the aggression and i'm i'm really hoping that you know if that's the case because i mean like there's steps like you know, other bands, Sol Sol Evictus or Invictus or something like that. Sol Evictus, yeah. Yeah, and it's like if you hear that stuff, it's like just riff city. So it's like it's clearly not that the dude like has no aggressive riffs anymore. Like, God, I just don't know. Like, I don't know if he's being like stifled. Ego city. Ego uh, city. Maybe. Egos. But I mean, you know, musicians are like that. You know that. Okay, like, but I mean, like you're you're twenty some odd, almost thirty years into your career. Like, haven't you figured out what works and what doesn't? Like, isn't it in everyone's best interest to just kind of play to everyone's strengths and and kind of figure out, like, okay, these are our weaknesses. Let's just not do that. Okay, well, that would be the mature thing to do. But we're talking about musicians <laughs> again, so <Okay. laughs> it's like you you would hope that that's the way it works. Um. But at the end of the day, it's always high school. <laughs> That's I, what I always I guess. say. Yeah, it's you know. But I'm I'm speculating, of course. I don't know if that's what's going on with them. But like, I think that this record to some sort of something is going on. So, Something's wrong. Sacrum, sacrum, so Sacramento can't say that word. Right. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm gonna kind of like hop off this record just because like, I think we we've kind of beaten how we. Oh. Feel about it as a whole over over the Sorry. head. No, it's Can fine. Yeah, Sorry. but so let's let's play devil's advocate and let's. I mean, we've kind of talked about what we think maybe the new the new record that they're working on could be based on things that you know Chino has said, like he wants to have it, you know, Steph be involved to bring the balls back to the band, so on and so forth. <laughs> but realistically, what? You know, just kind of based on the trends, uh, the trend of the 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 band itself over the last, you know, eight albums. Where do you think the band is going to go? Do you see them maybe going down more of this road, or kind of going more back to just a, a very basic thing? And even more to the point, do you see them going back to either Terry Date or Nick Rasculins, because those are the two two producers who really brought out the best in the band? I definitely think the latter. They're going to go back. It speaks volumes that their last tour, they barely played anything from this record. They played three songs. So, I mean, that's, I mean, on a new album cycle, that's that's pretty typical. Yeah, but like, (laughs) they know what works. Come on. They know what works. Oh, for sure. So I feel like they're going to go back. They're going to, they're going to go to the, 
I don't want to say that they're just going to remake Diamond Eyes or they're going to remake Would that White be a terrible Pony. thing? That would be a terrible idea. And <laughs> I think they're mature enough to know that. Egos. But they're going to take elements that worked and incorporate whatever they've done here, which I think is cool. What Gore was interesting, but they just need to refine it okay. like a shiny pearl. Just, you know, I think they're going to go back. I personally think that's what they're going to do. They're going to either, I think they might even go Terry date. Why not? Let's, let's, let's make that, that prediction. Would be interesting to me is if they did like a co-production because I actually think if I'm not mistaken, I, even though Sean Lopez did Saturday Night Wrist, I think there's some co-production done on the record as well. So yep. it'd be really interesting if they were to be like, "Cool, so we obviously know we vibe well with Terry Date, but we also really like Nick Rasculins. So let's put those two together and see what we can't do with that." Half, half. Yeah, or you know, just the two like, working together. Oh, two working. Oh, I don't know how that would work. <laughs> <laughs> And then, like, I don't know where the fuck this idea just came from, but, like, what if they were to do, like, really, like, you know, get a new producer, step outside the box, and just kind of go with, like, Butch Vig? Who? Who's, like, really, like, a more, like, he's very Terry Date-esque in the fact that he likes, like, the more, like, get in a room, jam live, I record it, you know, so we can, and we just kind of do that until we get the vibe of, like, the song in a live setting, but I'm recording and it. And then... And then, and then you do, like, your overdubs and so forth. Yeah. Oh, that would be very interesting. Plus I would know, love to know. Plus, you know, Butch Vig is really versed with, like, you know, a lot of, like, electronic stuff, too, in his music. Yeah. So that would be interesting to see how, like, he handles, like, Frank stuff. Just, just the only thing I ask <laughs> is that just don't bury Abe's drumming. Like, really. That is very subdued me, on this record. To me, that is what makes, I'm not even a drummer, but it, it's what drives the song for me. Like I always air drum to Deftones records. I'd never play the, play the guitar, obviously. I don't air guitar, but the drums are just so, oh my God. I was listening to, I was listening to Diamond Eyes on the subway, like <laughs> super fucking loud. And I was just like, you know, playing along to, um, uh, rocket skates. Okay. And there's a guy that was sitting like in front of me and he's just like staring at me. He's just like, you're a drummer. I'm like, nope. <laughs> I like to think I am, but I'm definitely not. Just, can you listen to how great Abe Cunningham is? Cause he's fucking awesome. Um, anyway. Yeah. So I hope that they're going forward. They really don't bear, don't bury him. Right. Seriously. Well, what's interesting, too, is, like, you know, you kind of talked about Sergio. I feel like if you really pay attention, there's a lot of, like, busy bass work on this record. And oh, to yeah. the point where, like, when you see the band live, like, Sergio pulls out, like, that six string, like, almost looks like a jazz master, but it's like a yes. bass. Yes. And, mm -hmm. like, the, I think it's, uh, might even be Acid Hologram, now that I think about it. Uh, I know it's within the first, like, four tracks. Might even, I think, actually, I think it's Geometric Headdress. Um but, like, there's just, like, stuff, like, where it's, like, he's doing stuff that, like, I don't know that Chi would ever have done. So, True. like, I really enjoy the fact that, like, he gets kind of experimental with his own gear. Yeah. Within yeah, the that's band. True. And it's, like, yeah. that, that's kind of an interesting thing that I, I don't think really ever gets highlighted. You know, because everyone's always, like, oh, man, I miss Chi, I miss Chi, and I miss what Chi brings to the band. But I think, really, Sergio, as a musician, has brought a lot more musicality to the band than Chi really ever did. 
And I think it kind of gets overlooked a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I agree. I, I did hear, especially like listening with really great headphones, yeah. listening to this, you can hear like, you know, that, that distorted, like really cr- like crinkly, crunchy bass that he's yeah. doing all kinds of really interesting things. I did notice that. And I mean, I give give the dude credit. Um, you know, she was she had his strengths. Yes. Um, but, you know, Sergio, Sergio obviously has his uh, he's a tremendous bass player. So. I mean, I think that speaks to, and like, it was kind of weird, like in thinking about this record, oddly enough, like I was like, you know, with Steph not really contributing as much per se, so everyone has said, and even, you know, he has said himself, it makes me wonder if like, okay, like Sergio, you know, being from quicksand, like, you know, like when they kind of get kind of weird, if it's like, he's like, yeah, this is my element. I get to pull out this like six string, like, you know, bass and fuck around with like pedals and shit. And it's like that, you know, like he doesn't like, sometimes I wonder if like the overindulgence in like going with an idea instead of being like, nah, let's, let's rein this back. Where it's mm-hmm. like everyone Keep just kind of, yeah. <laughs> and, like if everyone else isn't like, you know, like for, you know, someone like Frank might be like, cool, I can, I can do like, I got this new patch and I, and I think I can do this here. And, you know, Sergio's like, let me get my six string bass thing and I can play this. And, <laughs> you know, everyone's just kind of like going out on a limb to be like over the top, kind of like all the overindulgent. <laughs> and like Steph would probably just be like, I like playing bar chords. Like, let's go back to that. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I, 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 it's so difficult because you really want, to impress your fans and you really want to you make make it so that it's a uh sort of an eargasm when they listen to it um and you want to keep them interested with lots of different things but sometimes and i think that this has mainly been their formula is that it's never super complicated uh, you know it, it's it's should be easy to listen to yeah. uh which i think that they did not adhere to on gore obviously no uh, and if they reel it in, keep it really simple with a uh, heavy dosage of uh, bar cordage <laughs> and that melodic juxtaposition, but still keeping it new and fresh, they will knock it out of the park. Like, it'll, it'll be extraordinary. I think this new record will be a religious experience. Let's... If if they if they get it right, it'll be amazing, and I will literally cry. <laughs> I will actually, tears will come down my face <laughs> if they get it right. Ugh. On that note, <laughs> yeah. Um, what do we do in terms of of uh, closing this out and dealing with picking a favorite song? <laughs> All right. So for me, honestly just as as songs completely from start to finish because like i mean i almost feel like i could go through every single song and be like i like this part of the song but then the rest is i I, i'm not a fan of so for me from just songs themselves from start to finish prayers triangles i think is one of the strongest tracks obviously why it's the first track why it was the first single i do really enjoy phantom bride I, i think I think that's a prime example of like where the band tried something completely different and it and it really worked for me. Even mm. though kind of vocally it was a little stale for me. Yeah. Um but I think musically, like I think it's one of the more ambitious songs that they've done in a very long time. To where yeah. I'm like, okay, like if you were to do this and and maybe like some vocal stuff would be like on par with like a you know, a 
a, a Diamond Eyes level or whatever, I could probably really get behind like a whole album really of this kind of style. And you know, it it ta- it it's it's that thing where I was just kind of saying where it's like it's the new thing that's going to keep me excited for the next record. And right. even Rubicon, like I've really enjoyed Rubicon, and it just kind of yeah. sucked that it, to me that it's like. The first song and the last two songs were, like, my favorites. And then it's almost like the meat of the whole album is what I I didn't enjoy. It's almost like, to me, like, as stupid as this is, because, like, at the time when I was listening to this, like, people at work were talking about lunch stuff. And I was like, it's almost like getting, like, a bomb-ass, like, sandwich and it's on, like, a a brioche bun that's, like, handmade and it's delicious. But then you get, like, some bullshit, like, meat in the middle and, like, wilty lettuce (laughs) and, like, everything else. You're just like... Oh, well, it's all soggy. Yeah, oh. we were just like, cool. Well, I mean, everything oh, around everything around it was good, but the 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 thing that I should have enjoyed the most was actually the thing I didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it, it speaks volumes to me that one of the songs, Pitura Infamante, I wrote. Oh, why though? <laughs> yeah. Why was this a song? <laughs> yeah. It's unfortunate, but um, I, I, Phantom Bride, I really, I agree with you 100%, is is all the elements of where they would like to go or where, uh, you know, all the different experimentation that they're doing, yeah. working. Um, and I, re- I do, I really enjoyed it. It was very different. I just love the vibe. It's so, so, you know, ah, just it's just great. It's really, really, really strong song, strong contender for me. However... It is not my favorite song on the record. Um, I do like some of the Wilty Lettuce. Um, <laughs> and I really, really like Geometric Headdress. I don't know what it is about it. And I think it's just because it's one of those really, really busy songs. Yes. Like, I, like I was saying earlier, Abe's drumming on it. He blew my mind at least like five times on that record. Oh, I was like, oh, let's rewind. I have to hear that again because it was just so different and so weird. You just wish that all of the elements that they were trying to do clicked together better. But for me, even even with those <laughs> missteps, it worked for me. I because it was when I first bought it. When I first bought this record, that was the song that stuck out to me. For I don't know why that and Phantom Bride. So it's between those two for me. But it, at least we agree on Phantom Bride. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned Geometric Headdress because, like I was saying, like it was one of the more interesting things kind of going in, going on with uh, within that song. But fuck, man, like it just was one of those things where it's like I wanted to like it and I wanted it to 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 work, but to me, that's like Geometric Headdress is too phantom bride like where everything different works and it's to its favor everything in geometric headdress like just isn't fully like actualized or realized in my opinion to where i'm like ah you got it and you executed it well it was like there's a lot of cool parts and i think if you were to try to do this again like you know try some of the the things that make the song the song i think Mm -hmm. if you were to go back kind of figure out what why things didn't work like you know just reapproach the song or like do a reimagining maybe that it's like, I think you would find that that's, that basically is the antithesis of this record where it's like, this is what you tried so many things. It almost worked, but there's when it fails, it fails so bad 
then it just makes <laughs> the good parts not shine through. Right. And so therefore it's like, I'm really like very much like we've been saying, we're down on this record, but we're very optimistic about them figuring it out for the next one to where you get that, you know, you get that white pony, you get that diamond eyes where you're like, Oh my God, this is, this is the best so of everything you've good. ever done. And <laughs> I just need more of this. And it's like life changing. You know, the album yeah, will be life changing really for people. 100%. And that's where I just kind of keep coming back to with this record where I'm like, you've proven that you've proven, <laughs> you've proven that, you know, you're capable of greatness. And sometimes it takes a misstep before the greatness is achieved. So I am just very hopeful as a Deftones, longtime Deftones fan that this is a sidestep before we get to the fully act, like actualized greatness of what they're trying to do to the next level that's going to take them to the next 10 years Definitely. and you know while still enjoying the back catalog so i'm i'm very optimistic about the future of the deftones and obviously like with us having seen them live you know in the last year you know they still oh, have it they still sound great they, they still, still they still have it, it so it's like you know, old songs that they've been playing forever, they figured out ways to, like, kind of keep them fresh, like slowing down a breakdown in it or, you know, extending parts or whatever and just crafting a perfect set list that kind of encapsulates everything they've done and pretty much, like, all the... I mean, like, even off this, like, they play Prayers Triangles, they play Hearts and Wires as, like, their intro, and I want to say they play uh, uh, Acid Hologram. Um, mm -hmm. live. So, I mean, it's like, they kind of realize, like, what worked on this record. They throw it into what they've done to, to kind of juxtapose it against their back catalog, and then it kind of gives you this thing where you're like, okay, like, you know, granted, they don't play anything really off of Saturday Night Wrist, but it's like, you know, when they play, like, Minerva, and, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, this is a weird song, but, they, like, you play it against something like maybe, like, Changing the House of Flies is next or whatever, it's like, oh, oh. I get it, this, this works, and it's this weird, like... <laughs> So, I mean, like, it's it's one of those things where, like, sometimes it isn't until you see them live and you hear some of these songs against, like, other staples in the, yes. in the, in the set yep. list that yep. you're like, yep. oh, okay, like, this is, this is how it fits into the history the of this bit. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm just, you know, as a whole, this record doesn't work for me, but, you know, I'm having seen some of the songs live put against the classics you kind of start to understand like maybe where they were going with things and, and kind of the, the callbacks to some of the other things that at the time seemed weird as well. But, you know, like I, like I already have said a couple of times, it's like, I I'm really hoping that this is going out on a limb, realizing what worked and doesn't honing it, bringing it all back to a lot of the things that they've done over the last 20 something years. And then just putting out a record that allows them to take what they've done, transcend it, and, and set them up for the next, you know, five, ten years. And to hopefully, you know, to where it's really weird to see a band like this. Like, where it's like, you know, a lot of people would have written them off and been like, oh, they're going to be done. They're not going to be around ten oh. years. And it's like, you, you know, they're 20. You can't do that with the Deftones. And it's like you're 20 years into their career. And it's like you, you they still obviously throw you for curveballs and are willing to experiment. And it's like while we as fans may not appreciate what they're doing, I have to at least appreciate the fact that they're trying to do something different 20 years into their career when a lot yeah. of bands would just be like, well, we had, we had white pony. So let's, I mean, we had three records. Everyone loved. We're just going to fucking ride the shit out of those records while still putting yeah. out marginally. Okay. Records. They're trying. They're You're trying. right. They're trying. And they're, and that's why I said, I respect the journey. I do. I respect their artistic journey. Um, 
you know, that there's going to be, there's going to be missteps. And as, as history has shown with us, uh, with them rather, uh, they'll have some missteps in my opinion. And then they fucking knock it out of the park with some of the best rock music. Like, I don't know what we even call their, their genre, like alternative metal that ever, um, with a, a record like diamond eyes or, white pony like to me it's perfection uh and i actually i met somebody that said that they didn't like white pony and i'm like who are you and you're like we're not friends we're how do you and they're like well you know i don't like that the singer's like whiny singing or whatever and i'm like you like emo fuck yourself (laughs) like like uh yeah anyway this so, didn't it, the conversation didn't end well anyway so phantom bright i think is going to be our unanimous pick for this record as our favorite uh, yeah uh, just because it was really the only carryover that was a, a good song anyway we've managed to talk for an hour and a half Wait, I actually, know. we talked about we talked for an hour about that record you yeah. said it was gonna be the quickest yeah i mean i, I mean obviously i'm gonna have to edit stuff out but i mean yeah it'll probably be about an hour total <laughs> just because i feel like yeah. i was definitely redundant on some of that cool uh i i would be well you know what i already know what people are gonna say about it because i've been reading all the comments <laughs> <laughs> yeah people don't like it people didn't like it so or they respected it, but they didn't, you know, they weren't like ranting and raving about how great it is, uh, like Diamond Eyes or White Pony or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Good. I guess uh, when the next record comes out, we'll have to we'll have to keep keep up with it. We this. have to keep adding to it. No, for sure. For sure. Uh, whenever that will be. I don't know if you've heard any plans about what they're doing. but No. I guess uh, <laughs> the last question I'll ask you to kind of wrap up this this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Looking back on everything as we've gone track by track, album by album, has it made you look at the Deftones discography in a different way than maybe you had previously? Most definitely. Yeah? Most definitely, especially with the two records that I was uh, very lukewarm about, um, especially Saturday, Saturday Night Rest. I find myself actually, even though I was not overall – excited about it uh when it came out or you know (laughs) at all interested in listening to it uh i find myself listening to it more now after we talked about it and i really gave it a solid you know 10 listens or whatever um i find that i i've i've looked at their discography in a different way now after going through it song by song and hearing somebody else's perspective and hearing somebody else's um experience with those the records that I wasn't necessarily as involved with or as, uh, attentive to, I suppose. That's cool. Yeah. yeah it was, I definitely kind of walked away. Like, cause someone asked me or when I was talking about it yesterday, it kind of made me think about it. And you know, the fact that we were doing a chat a day later to kind of close it out, it was just kind of like, you know, like, I don't think I really walked away from thinking about any one record differently than I had previously. Since I basically the only record I never really was around for was, was, uh, adrenaline. But I kind of had wondered if I would feel differently about this record. <laughs> and it was interesting to find out that I didn't. And then I was like, man, I'm going to feel really bad when Fallon's like, oh, my God, I love this. And I love, like, all the different things they're doing. And I was just like, oh, I, I feel no. like a Debbie Downer. <laughs> so uh, it's been interesting to to me that 
even though our, our journeys through the, the last 20 some odd years worth of music have sort of been similar, what's interesting is even when the albums that, you know, maybe one identified with a little bit more than the other or was a little bit more like, I really enjoyed this record, whereas maybe the other person didn't really ever listen to it. It was kind of cool that we ended on a record that we neither one of us really listened to a whole lot, but still right. collectively kind of came to the same conclusion. So it's interesting right. that like, for as much as I really figured there was going to be a lot of differences in opinion going through this whole thing, that it was really interesting to see how similar a lot of like even our notes like to the like verbiage even uh, yeah. was very similar. And it's like to me like I think that's a very interesting thing that a lot of people who are are passionate about music and and or a band, it's really I don't think anyone's really given themselves that opportunity to kind of really dissect something and and just kind of see like how similar people's tastes and even down, like I said, to the words that people use to describe it, you know, like right. I, I kind of adopted some of your, your vernacular <laughs> and some <laughs> of it and stuff like that. And it was kind of interesting to, to see like how, you know, things that you would say as I go back and listen to certain things and it's like, oh yeah, like, you know, I, I kind of noticed that, you know, something that she noticed that I didn't and it's kind of, you know, now I, I kind of, in, I, I don't ever look at that, those records or those songs sometimes the same because, you know, you oh. brought something to light that I'd never noticed. So exactly. It's kind same, of interesting. Same with me. Yeah. Same, 100%, which is, I think is really um, what's enriching about doing these kinds of things is that, you know, we're both huge fans of theirs and we probably always will be, even if they put out, you know, three more gores. Ooh, <laughs> we'll I, don't, I don't know. I, I might actually go and be like you and then check out for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need a break. <laughs> It's not you, it's me. <laughs> it's not you, it's me. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, but we we'll still we still will support them no matter uh, what they do. And I think it's it's interesting to to have fans do this kind of thing and, and just kind of ruminate on the sorts of the the records that changed their lives or or you know it comforted them or whatever. I think it's it's really cool to come together and do that kind of thing. So for sure. Well, thank you for the last year plus of uh, wow. Thank you doing this. For, uh, yeah, no, really, I really enjoyed enjoyed the the laughter and enjoyed the the journey. So that's that's all that matters. Awesome. Well, thank you again, and uh, enjoy the rest of your night. Thanks. You too. Bye. Bye bye. And that concludes my Deftones discography discussion with Fallon Bowman. Again, as we were kind of saying, it's been. It's been interesting to be able to look at a band's eight-album, 20-some-odd-year career and just kind of go album by album, song by song. And I think if you're a fan of something or someone, do that. Have a conversation with people. You don't have to record it, but, I mean, do that because I think it gives you a completely different appreciation of a band and you're able to kind of really figure out why you like that band, what works for that band, and... Even, you know, in some instances, you know, songs that I didn't like or an album I didn't like, I'm at least able to look at it a little bit more objectively than I, I did before doing this conversation. So this is a lot of fun. Um, like I said in the intro, I, I would like to do another one. Um, I don't I have a few bands in mind, but I got to find a willing participant. Uh, and uh, now that I'm also have been on discography discussion, I think it would be a little bit weird to kind of start doing these a little more consistently. Um, although Dan from over there had said that basically he won't touch Deftones because of this. So, <laughs> um, all that said, this is a lot of fun. I can't thank Fallon enough. 
Uh, I mean, this podcast thing just as a whole, and I know I have uh, echoed this sentiment a few times, but this thing has just been really weird. Uh, you know, like when I started this over a year ago, I, you know, the list of people I wanted to get was kind of random, weird people, uh, outliers of sorts in the music industry and, and maybe not necessarily people uh, would you know, maybe go after, but, you know, still have interesting stories to tell. Um, and so Fallon was one of the first ones I wanted to talk to. And when she agreed to come on, it was like, wow, I can't believe I got her. And then to kind of do this for the rest of the year, like, it's been crazy. And, you know, like some of the stories she tells about, you know, touring with certain bands and, you know, her memories of things and so forth, like, it's been really interesting. And uh, I definitely have enjoyed doing this with her. So thank you to Fallon for doing this. And uh, hopefully we can do one more when the new album comes out and uh, dissect that. And hopefully we'll be very anxious and excited and our our wait will be worth it. Um, all that said, uh, speaking of waiting, if you don't like waiting and you like to be updated with a lot of things, uh, you can follow Fallon over at Fallon Bowman on Twitter and Instagram and I believe Facebook as well. Uh, her YouTube channel is Fallon Bowman TV. If you would like to follow our partners over at MoshPitNation.com, you can do such simply at MoshPitNation.com. You can also go and follow them on Facebook at MoshPitNationWestMI, as well as Twitter and Instagram are simply MoshPitNation. And if you would like to keep up with what I'm doing, you can do such on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube over at John's Entitled Podcast. Tweet at me at John's Entitled Pod and email me at John's Entitled Pod at gmail.com. Uh, follow me. Crossed everything. Uh, keep up. I try to post different shit. And uh, talk to me. Be engaged. Let me know what you thought. Did we did we fuck up? Is Phantom Bride not like the best song off, off of Gore? Let me know. <laughs> I, I can handle it. I've had people say way worse than uh, I don't agree with you on this this uh, synopsis of, of a record. So I'm uh, going to kind of keep this one short. Uh, and get to the song. So we are going to play it out as we always do with a song, and that song is going to be what we deemed the best one off of Gore, and that is Phantom Bride. So until next week, talk to you later. (laughs) 